This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to a bonus episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And we are chilling today. That was great. I barely opened my mouth to say my own name. What the <laughs> hell's going to happen in this show? As Brad, the wise sage Brad Pitt said, we're all going to die, so nothing matters anymore. Oh my, can I just, I, I love this Brad Pitt a lot. <laughs> a lot. I just do. He, and I know we've talked about it on the main feed up, but he is so, it's, it's like, the, what's the opposite of a midlife crisis where he's like reached a point of age where he's just having fun and nothing matters? Yeah, I know. We need a name for that because he's in it. He is in it more than I've ever seen anyone in it. What? Okay. Now I can't remember if it was who said this to me. Did somebody say, did, did Casey say this? Or maybe this was said on another podcast I was on recently where they said that Brad Pitt is a character actor in a movie star's body. Yeah, that makes sense. So meaning like he's got some kind of coolness to him, even though he mm-hmm. looks like a stud. Yeah. Okay. Casey, <laughs> Casey immediately was like, I did not say that. <laughs> Casey's like, I would never say that. I, he is a stud. We, we will find and cite the source, but... <laughs> No, no, I don't know who said that. I feel like that was something that I, I heard. <laughs> I heard somewhere. It makes sense. But it makes sense. I, I can't I can't stand how hilarious he is. He's so he's so and it's not that he's given up. It's that he finally reached a point that the re- rest of us has reached, which is like nothing you do actually matters or changes anything. This is very depressing. I'm sorry, but no, like I like a depressed Brad Pitt. I love a sad pit. I, I do too. We talked about this before. I mean, that's the whole reason why I liked. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is because I mm-hmm. love these old dudes now. Like, I mean, granted, Leonardo DiCaprio was just seen out with his, like, 23-year-old girlfriend. And I'm sure he's older than both of us. But I'm just saying that, like, these two guys, like, especially Brad Pitt, were, like, fawned after for so long. And then now they just got old. And now they're just, like... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm just going to do what I want to do now. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't. I used to have all these abs and all these <laughs> smooth lines and now i just like want to wear a skirt and just fucking talk about the end of the world like who cares you you know what's happened brad pitt is having a middle-aged woman renaissance <laughs> he has finally joined us where we're like we don't care anymore no one's looking at us no one gives a shit we do not care he found a white pube and was just like, it's a wrap. It's a fucking wrap on this. Now I'm just but no- now I'm just normal and I don't give a shit. He's always been funny. And now I think that he's just letting it out more. And I'm sure his publicist is having 800 heart attacks a day. But it's worth it for us. Yeah, I, I'm loving it. I mean, I love this stage of fame. Always have. Always Me love. Too. Listen, you know me. I'm out here celebrating Martin Balsam, the Martin Balsams Hell of the yeah. world. Like, I'm I'm here for 70s Shelly Winters. Okay, not 50 Shelly Winters. I'm here for Liz Taylor in the 80s, if you want to yeah. get down to it. Like, I'm just not, I do not, every time I see somebody in the in the youth, yes, you're like, okay. But there's something that doesn't do it for me. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I don't want a 25 year old pop star type around. I want to, I want the old version 
the older version. Give me, give me an old any day. Um, we're here for the olds. It's not against the youngs. I just, I love an old. I love seeing the growth and the change and the weirdness. And when the current youngs get there, I'll be into them too. In 20, 30 years, I'll check out what Doja Cat's doing. I don't care what she's doing now. Yeah, of course. But in 20 or 30 years, maybe Doja Cat will be like, you know, out on a red carpet doing a ribbon dance. And then I'll be like, that's awesome. Look at that 50 year old doing a ribbon dance. At the Grammys. Listen, it's the there is some sort of like age levels some kind of playing field for a lot of people. Where now yeah. you gotta get your fucking butt looked at just like everybody else. <laughs> like you got fatty deposits on parts of your body like a fucking dog. Like you're <laughs> truly just out here. And you gotta like Take your fucking cholesterol pills. You gotta, you know, wear your insoles. You gotta fucking get your fat lumps checked out by the doctor. It's like everybody else is doing this. And then when you get to that point, you're like, okay, well, now I know I ain't shit, just like everybody else. And for some reason, that's like, I don't know, uniting force or something. It's the ultimate, your body is the ultimate reminder that you ain't shit. Your body is the minute you think like, yeah, this is great. Your, your body's like, how about this? How about we got to check those lungs every year? How about we got to start looking at those fucking zits and those fucking moles every six months? How about we're taking blood out of you like a damn vampire? Anytime you mention anything is possibly wrong. Your doctor's like, let's take some blood. And I'm like, let's not. Yeah. Because they're always like, well, it could be. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to tell me it's the worst possible thing ever. Or you're going to guess that it's the worst possible thing. And then it's just going to end up being that, like, I ate a pack of lemon heads before I came in and my heart rates up. Yeah. Oh, listen, all my homies have a CPAP machine. Okay. <laughs> all my homies do. Remember when it used to not be that way? Now everybody's got one. So you know what? Like, fuck it. Like, I don't know. Just, like, be old. I used to only see CPAP machines on, like, The Biggest Loser. <laughs> and now they're genuinely everyone in my life is, like, some kind of CPAP. Shit, I saw an ad the other day where now you may not even need the machine. There's like a Oh, I I've seen thing. that ad. Yeah. I've seen that ad. They've evolved. And CPAP's been around for so long they've evolved from the machine to yeah. like, hey, just strap this on your face. And it's like one of those fucking alien things. And just kind of like latches on. It's fucking dope as hell. Lots of my friends are gonna be happy. Listen, I have a friend right now who has two buttholes. <laughs> And I'm not going to reveal who. What? As a result of pregnancy. And this child is old. This child is older. It's not a baby. This Mm. child is like in school and can like recite facts about presidents old. Mm. And she had a fistula and has had two buttholes ever since she had a fucking baby. And now she's like talking about how they're trying to deal with it. She's had two buttholes for years. You said... Fistula? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay, I thought you yeah. said fistular. I was like, is that a new thing I don't know about? <laughs> no, you did fistula. not say fistular. Um, two- like we got, we're out here with problems. We're out here with two buttholes. And she's just carrying on with her day. And I'm like, you got two buttholes and you're just carrying on. Look, that's the side of an evolved species, if you ask me. Like, Thank it, you. We had to get rid of the tail at one point. Now we got two buttholes. It's like she's moving into a new... A new realm, as far as I'm She's going to be breathing out of one of those things in a minute. Like, it is going to be some real sci-fi shit coming up. But she is like, I got to go go to work. <laughs> I would... <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Two buttholes sounds fucking cool. It sounds like a... Like a it sounds cool. <laughs> but in reality, I think it would cause a lot of confusion and mess. But to me, it's just like open up an, another line at the grocery store. It's like you just got, you know, you got two two places to go now. Not just one. You don't have to wait in a big line. Now it's just, you got two. Open up the express lane of your body is what we're saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding out for a valve. I can't wait until we get like a little spigot and you can just turn it and be like, period, turn. Here comes all of it. It's all out. You just sit on the toilet for like three hours and then turn the spigot off. Oh, dude. Turn the spigot again. There comes the shit. Like, that's what I'm looking for. Like, press a button and like all of it comes out. I'm going to be so pissed if there's a valve before 
before I die. Like, listen, I'm going to be like, yo, I spent decades, mm. decades without the valve. And then now it's all easy peasy. It just all happens in, in a day. And then you don't have anything to, to do anything for a month or something. What are we, Absolutely what are we not. saying? The valve is a monthly thing. It's every three days. You're saying poopy I feel like the and valve, vaginal. I, I think the valve should, should be a daily thing. A daily thing. I think it should be a daily thing where you're like, guess what? I don't want these eggs this month. Press the fucking button. Get it all out. Like you decide your body the fucking moon doesn't decide. Your calendar doesn't decide. You're like, I don't want these eggs. Get them out of me. Daily. Let, the, let the next ones drop. Daily is that still seems like a lot. Like weekly. But for you got my who? attention. You got my attention. <laughs> you got to release the valve daily if you're doing pee and poo. Okay. Yeah, I see that. But I'm just saying, okay, if we've got a valve, do we have to pee and poo every day? I'm just saying, if we're in a, if you're, we're in you're the next mindset, level. you know, you're next level. You're you're advanced. You're like, how about we shut down the whole bodily process for a while until we're ready, and then you just express that shit, and you're good for five days. Listen, like we're if that's we're, advanced. Do some inner space shit with like Dennis Quaid traveling through the fucking body. Making me have a one-week poo that comes out in a valve, and then it's it. Here, here's a good question: oh God. If they develop an inner space type system where you will never get sick, you'll never have a single illness in your life, but you have to have a little person in a spaceship living inside your body, would you do it? No, because and they can hear all your thoughts and they can see all your shit. No, because one time I read this, I read the Wikipedia article for Grey Goo, and I was like, nothing's going in. Like, I don't want any, I don't want anything What's coming goo? in. Okay, Google it. I swear to God. It's basically this, like, idea that, like, a a foreign object or something enters into your bloodstream, and then it just starts self-replicating, and it can't stop replicating until it, like, eats all of your insides and then, like, bursts through your eye holes or something like that. Okay, the only thing coming up for me in this search is Grey Goose Vodka. So you got to help me. <laughs> no! G-R-A-Y-G-O-O? Grey, yes. Here it is. Grey G-O-O. I'll read it. I'll read you the first. Grey Goo is a hypothetical global catastrophic scenario involving molecular nanotechnology in which out-of-control self-replicating machines consume all biomass on Earth while building more of themselves. What the fuck? Is this real? It is a scenario. So I don't know who actually. This, listen, I got deep in this Wikipedia hole. This was like 10 years ago where I was like really flipped out about this gray, gray goo shit where I was like, that means that if something like if they decided to put like a fucking inner space in my body, if, De if Dennis Quaid and Martin Short were just chilling in my body and then all of a sudden like, if they just kept replicating themselves and it's like, like there goes all <sighs> my cells, there goes all my organs is taking over because these self-replicating robots can't fucking, listen, I'm not, I'm not one of these folks. I don't know how this actually works, but I'm just saying the concept, the loose concept freaked me out so much that I didn't sleep for like a week. Question. <laughs> alt and alt. What if it was Steve Martin in there? Uh, playing a banjo? <laughs> Steve Martin with a banjo. I mean, he will gray goo you. He will gray goo you eventually. But up until that point, you got Steve Martin with a banjo inside you. I'll allow it. I'll okay. allow it. I think this I is fucking terrifying. I might not sleep tonight. This is terrifying. There's this whole, um, I feel like it's like a sub wiki or something of all of these like weird uh, future tech scenarios where things can go horribly wrong and it'll kill the human race mm -hmm. and i just was like one night i'm like yo i'm single i'm alone <laughs> i'm just gonna read about this shit i was gonna read about macroscopic self-replicating machines <laughs> i mean you could write a movie about that like you could truly this is why I feel like the internet is a failed experiment. We don't need to know about this or worry about this. And we can now because someone on Reddit was like, have you heard about this? And now this is like going to consume my evening. Like my whole brain space is now this. Like we don't need the internet anymore. We just shut it down. Yeah. We should start fresh. 
there are several ways that we can communicate with the entire world when needed. But I feel like we need if, if we okay, here's my 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 pitch. We shut down the internet, we reboot it with a babysitter. Okay. And the babysitter's like, no, you don't need this right now. Like, no, you you should only be looking at work emails and talking to your friends. <laughs> like, you're not going on Twitter today. Maybe you can go check t- Twitter tomorrow, but today you can't check Twitter. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow you can't check Wikipedia. It should be rebooted with a fucking babysitter. Personal babysitter for everybody. Look, I would love it because I fucking hate social media. Like, there are times where, like, I really get close to like pulling the trigger to get my shit off of Instagram, Same. Twitter. It's like I, I'm on Twitter barely. Like right now, yeah. all I do is like kind of repost like shit for the podcast or whatever. But if it were up to me, I would just be off of everything. Like, yeah, it's like, Same. A, but then there are times where I'm like, well then, I mean, there are times where I'm like, would it hurt my career to not be on any social media like you know what i mean and i like, know why I do know i exactly think that what you mean why do i think that because the world has made us think that that's how we have to communicate because everyone does and it's not we need an uprising we need an uprising of victorian pen and paper shit like we need to take it back to butter churning times and be like y'all don't have to live this way you can just wait if you just have some patience I'll send you this and I'll send you the photos of my kid and his first day of school in the mail. I'm going to I'll tell you right now, like there are times where I think the stupidest, weirdest shit that makes like if you step out of it, you're like, no one cares about this at all. Like no one cares. So the other day I was on Instagram. okay, and somebody posted this video of a comedian who was super not fucking funny. Oof. Hate to say it, super not funny. On a video podcast. It was a podcast. It was clearly people podcasting, but they were all hot and they were on video. So I was like, okay, Mm. this isn't real. I don't know who this is. And so then I was like, whose podcast is this where all these people are very unfunny? I went to one of the hosts, one of the hosts of this podcast had like 2.3 million followers, mm-hmm. went to the other host, may, maybe the, the less popular one, 1.7 million followers. We had one friend in common. <laughs> and I was like up all night trying to figure out how that could happen. I'm like... How does a person have 2.3 million followers and there's only one friend that I have in common that I barely even talk to? Like, I haven't talked to this person in like 15 years. And I'm like, who are these people creating this content and with with millions of followers, yet I don't know who they are? Exactly. I, nobody I know, who, know who knows who they are. And I'm like, what the fucking world is going on? There's also too many people in the world, but that's a topic for another day. Well, <laughs> but there are too many people on this planet, and I, I, I do the same thing happens to me whenever I click on something, and I'm like, "Who is this person?" I don't know, but they have 15 million followers, and I don't even if half of them are not real, that's still like seven point five fucking million people. I honestly couldn't believe it because, okay. Listen, I, I'll, if I click on Beyonce's uh, Instagram, I got like 145 people in common exactly. with Beyonce. Like even the most famous people in the world, I have so many friends that follow famous people that I don't know about. So I right. thought this was so fucked up. And I was like, are they operating in some other space that I don't know about? Like, are they on like some trip that none of the people that I know who I thought were just kind of like, not just my friends personally, but family, coworkers, randos, nobody follows this person. And yet they've got 2.3 million. And I'm sitting here going like, I can't figure this out. And then I was like, does anybody give a shit? Why do I care? Why am I up in the middle of the night worried about some dude I've never, I'll never cross paths with, obviously. But I'm just like, that's what social media does is it forces you to make these like, value judgments yes. about bullshit you don't give a fuck about yes preach it yeah i'm with you i would still do a macroscopic 
I would I would have both an internet reboot with a babysitter and a macroscopic person in charge of my body. And that's all I need from science right now. It's it's totally fine. I mean, that to me, I, I, I get a little TBD on whether or not I'd have somebody in my body. Like, even though I do think a weekly poo sounds amazing. Uh, I don't right? know if I, I think I would, I'm going to have to wait for something else to happen. I don't know if I really would want um, Martin Short in my bod because of the great thing, but. I, I can imagine a scenario where my macroscopic person would get so bored that they'd be like <laughs> fucking eject and like I'd be asleep and they would just crawl out through my nose and be like, fuck this. This is so boring. <laughs> You're like, man, what is up with this place? It's like there's like nowhere to take selfies. Yeah, this is like the inside is disgusting. It looks like a fucking like the La Brea tar pits. And then I'm looking out of her eyes at her boring-ass life. Get me the fuck... Last person I was in was a goddamn NBA player. Get me the fuck out of here. They're going to be calling, like, base control and be like, there's got to be something else. <laughs> oh, P.S. You have butt cancer. Get out. Bye. <laughs> Somebody put me in Selena Gomez's buddy. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine the fucking stakes? I, I, again, this is... I can't go down this road. But the stakes of it, of, like... Who gets to be the tiny person in Beyonce's body and how much do they have to pay for it? She ain't paying anybody to be in her body. They're going to pay for the fucking privilege. Yo, every, everything, there's a hierarchy to everything. That's, that's what, that's the reality of life is that like, even if they did this bullshit, it'd still be like somebody out there flexing about being in goddamn Timothy Chalamet's body. Absolutely. And then can you imagine the fucking NDAs? Like you cannot show pictures of my fucking rib cage. To your fucking social media. Like, if you're going to be inside my body as a little person helping me with my health, the NDAs are going to be insane. Like, you cannot post pictures of my heart. You can't post pictures of my synapses. Mm -mm. You can't post selfies because it could be a glimpse in the background of, like, some rogue node. Yeah, somebody's writing a fucking memoir about your hemorrhoid. And it's going to be the unauthorized story and you're going to have to sue them to get the rights back. I mean, think about this whole world that we're painting right now. (laughs) Also, this is all going to be happening in the world that we're creating. God, I wish we could. I truly wish we could just do a map of the things that we talk about in terms of what we think the future is going to look like. Because remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about um, how we're all going to be like in fucking class action lawsuits like toxic avenger style yes. in the future <laughs> yes so this is all this macroscopic shit is happening in that world where they're like you're in a class action suit against pizza hut because you looked at a pizza hut sign and you got your cornea is burnt out <laughs> like the neon was too strong now you're in that class action lawsuit and there'll be somebody inside your body being like oh god i got the i got the pizza hut class action lawsuit you got the better class action because you're doing the baby powder class action and this woman was standing next to Leatherface at planet fitness and god like how what why why me why me and my tiny craft moving into somebody's body there's gonna be a sub social media network amongst the macroscopic people in our body just like complaining blind items complaining like a dumb wah meets a gawker like what a great Ooh. world what a great world we've just painted i love this world we're creating we got we got shit valves period valves p valves at your just at your leisure up to a week up to a week you can go without having to press that valve we got little tiny people in your body who are supposed to be monitoring any illness you could have and zapping it zapping it before it happens but instead they have a social media network where they talk about how gross your body is they're also having to sign ndas because they're all fighting over who gets to be in the better bodies Mm -hmm. celebrity bodies this is a great world i love this world we're creating and i absolutely think we should write a movie about this look i we're not going to answer any questions are we because i i have to tell you about my fucking my new screenplay idea Oh, please do. So today, this is a bonus. We can do whatever we want. We can. Maybe <laughs> we might read one letter. 
Who knows? It's wild. We're wild women. Wild fucking women. So today, I we were like roaming. I, I actually went into work today. And much like every corporation right now, it's a fucking graveyard of <laughs> old office shit. No one comes to work. There are fucking entire floors of like nothing like there's just like offices what? with like people's fucking old um pr- premiums from like you know a, a channel that like let's go get our fucking like the closer mugs <gasps> like shows that aren't on tv anymore like oh my god what's that show franklin and bash like let uh, my yeah. old franklin and bash blanket like just people's <laughs> ditched like shit from like tv shows from like 10 15 years ago it, it was mixed with like piles of like old equipment old fucking like filing cabinets and stuff and so like we were like at work because we were trying to find a uh, we were scouting a location, and I'm not saying that to be fancy. We were literally just trying to find a place to fucking shoot a dumb YouTube video. And um, we were walking around. I mean, I swear to God, like, we walked probably for two hours around this giant campus, you know? And I was like, what if this was a screenplay? What if it was a horror movie where a bunch of old office employees come into their office post-COVID trying to find a place to have a meeting, and then all of the old abandoned tech attacks them nice are we talking like whipping them with wires attack or just like i'm in your life attack it's it's all kinds of stuff it's like a disaster movie meets like monster a monster thing like it will be everything from like file full hanging file folders like to brad's have you remember fucking brads oh my god brads how much of my goddamn life did i waste trying to put a brad inside a stack of papers what the fuck no one uses a brad and i'm like there are boxes Mm. boxes of brads all over the place just like all this crazy shit like all this old premiums old like you know you need to watch that you need to write that movie see i was thinking that but i am have zero patience to write. Like, I'm like, now that I wrote a book, I'm like, I ain't fucking writing anything again. Like, that's... I'm not even signing a receipt. I don't know how you do it, because I cannot do that shit again. <laughs> I'm gonna have to ghostwrite it or something, because I'm like... I it's, That whole... That game, wow. That really, like, blew me on my ass, so... I know. I, I truly have thought a lot about writing another book, and... I feel like the medium calls for you having something to say. Like a book is great if you have something to say that is like, this is the way to do it. And I don't, I don't know that I could write a book based on anything I have to say. I could do it at the end of my life when I'm ready for everyone to hate me. Mm. I have a lot of hateful thoughts. And also, I don't know. I don't know if I really want, I'm proud of the book I wrote, but interrogating my own life it doesn't seem interesting enough to me past the point of what i wrote yeah like i'm sure it is in some way but like i would really have to think long and hard about like what do i want to say about my own experience and a novel fuck that i don't think i could ever have enough patience to write a novel well you're still working on your are you aren't you like writing a book about alaska or trying to I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is, well, this is part of it. It's like, I started writing this book and I'm like, I don't know what I want to say about this. Yeah. Like, I don't have anything revelatory. I don't have anything important. Like, I don't have anything that, you know, I haven't processed a lot of this in a way that I want to write about it. And so I just kind of stopped because I just don't know what, I don't know what I would, I don't know yet what I would say about the the experience, except for like, here's a bunch of shit that happened to me when I lived in Alaska for four years. And I don't know if that's interesting enough to sell a book. And I'll tell you also, you and the listeners of our bonus episodes, selling a book is really fucking hard. Yeah. And if you publish a book and you're paid for it and it doesn't sell as much as they hoped it would sell for, it's 
really shattering to think about writing another book and being that disappointing to somebody. Yeah. That's what's holding me back right now is like, I think I have to have something incredible to say because I don't want my publisher to be like, this piece of shit doesn't sell any books. Not that they would, but like I, that's what's in my, my head and my heart right now is like, I don't sell. <laughs> so am I a good gamble for this dumb story about Alaska? I don't know. But see that to me, that shit is all like, I say it through the lens of like albums, right? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have an album, like never mind, but then, you know, Oh, it's impossible. It's a fucking impossible to do the second. Never mind. So you have yeah. to have it in utero, right? <laughs> but then later, many years down the line, people are like, "Yo, that in utero, that shit slaps." And like at exactly. the time, they were like, "Eh." But now mm-hmm. it's something. And so I don't know. It's just to me. I know that that's not how business works. Okay, I'm stupid. But I'm just saying that. Like, I always find that that's like such a such a shitty metric to live by in that way where you're just like well i did this thing and it was this like great experience for me but yet you know now somebody's saying it's not like i don't get to do it again or i shouldn't do it again because it wasn't i don't know something like i don't know to me i just think that's yeah it sucks and it's also a shitty way to work like i what i should be doing in the two minutes a day that I have to myself right now, what I should be doing and what I want to get back to is writing because I want to write yeah, and not writing because I want it to be a best-selling book. Like I hate thinking in that way and I shouldn't be thinking in that way. I should be, that's why I kind of think I need to wait until I have something to say because I want, I want it to just be something like my first book, which is, this is important for me to say, for myself. Yeah. And I'm glad that other people can access it, but I don't think I'll write another book until I feel that again, because I don't like that thing hanging over my head of like the whole business of selling a book and trying to live up to like the standard of publishing. Yeah. Which is incredibly arbitrary. Yeah. I have no sense of it. <laughs> As somebody who is yeah. about to release a book in the next couple of weeks, like I have zero sense of it. And that's, Maybe why I shouldn't write them. Because I'm like, I don't know. Like, do you know how many fucking books there are in this world? Like, literally, go to a thrift store. There's like an entire shelf full of books about how to microwave shit. Do you know how many books there are in this world? Like, why am I stressing about this? Like, I don't know. Like, I did the best that I could. If people like it, then they like it. If they don't, then oh fucking well. I don't know. That's just... Exactly. But that's the right attitude to have. And I think that you wanted to write this book because you put all of this time and effort into building TCM Underground over all of these years. And you had something to say about it. And I think that's fantastic. And I think that is a great reason to write a book. It's like, here is something that I want on my own shelf to encapsulate my own experience that I have had building this thing. And that's great. And you might not do another book again until you feel that again. Like, I want to write about the things that are important to me or just things from my own perspective that are important to me. And I th- I think that is the place that we should always be and not worrying about the business shit because the business shit is arbitrary and we can't figure it out. And it's just like, I've been taking, it's taken me a year and I'm still not there. I'm trying to get back to that place where I'm just writing for myself again. And it's really hard to do after you write a book uh, and send it out into the world. And I think that it's, that's what I hope you get to is this place where you're like, because I think your ideas and the things that, you've even talked to me about and I'm always like, or the essays you've already written. And I'm always like, you should like, this is a book to me when you talk to me about things only because I know that I've never heard your perspective before in that way, or that I've never seen someone write about even the films or the industry or anything in that way. Like your voice is unique and special. And I think that as long as it feels good to you, you should write whatever you want to write without worrying about the business though because that side sucks yeah i mean i have such low stakes all the time that i'm like like i'm like oh if this happens i'm happy like i so 
a couple weeks ago, this is going to be kind of a convoluted story. Hopefully you guys are with me. So the book that I just wrote is like a, I would call it sort of a reference book. I mean, it's basically like 50 titles of a film, right? Me right. and my co-writer. I picked 25, she picked 25. And they're all cult films, right? Now, I grew up reading books like this. I grew up reading mm -hmm. the Danny Perry cult movies books. I, I grew up reading that video hound, you know, cult movie guy. I grew up reading Michael Weldon, the psychotronic book, the book of film that he wrote. Okay. Yeah. So I heard that Michael Weldon, who did Psychotronic Magazine, and he wrote that book, that Bible that I studied in high school and college, lived in Augusta, which is about two hours outside of where I live right now. And then oh he has God. a record store. And in the for into the not the forward, but the um, intro to the book, he I I mentioned him as being a big influence on how I learned about cult movies. So I got in the fucking car and was like, I'm bringing this dude a copy of the book. Whether he wants it or not, his name is in it. He, how can he not yes. want it? And he's going to think I'm totally crazy, but I'm going to do it. And so he's sitting in his record store and I just walked in there and, and you know, started like pretending that I was looking at stuff. And then I was like... <laughs> And you know me, I never do shit like this. I never like go up never. to people. I love this. Ever. I love and I was this. basically like, hi, are you Michael? And he's like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you don't know me, but I just drove from Atlanta. I wrote this book about cult movies. It's just, it's about to come out. And I'm just saying I'm a huge fan of yours. I grew up reading your books. It was like part of the reason, like why I do what I do and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that yeah, I'm a fan. And also here's a copy of this book or whatever. And he was just like, amazing what like he looks at me like what the fuck and at first i think he got freaked out but eventually after some time he warmed up to me and there was a moment where he was flipping through the book right and i was like oh my god i'm freaking the fuck out here what the fuck is going on <laughs> and he was like man there's some stuff in here i've never even heard of and i was like amazing i was like that's it that's why i wrote it oh. just to have him say that shit to me and honestly it really is gonna be the best part of the ride. <laughs> like yes! I could sell five million copies of this book, or I could have Michael Weldon from Psychotronic Magazine say <sighs> that I I stumped him maybe or something. You know what I mean? So it's just the thing where I'm like, my that is special. That's my goals. Like you can't run business off of that shit. Like that's why I'm <laughs> like, yo, I got small stakes. I have no concept of how to do anything like i'm just all i care about is like tiny little things and i don't know that's why i'm like i i just don't have the business sense for it like i'm just like yeah i'm the same i'm like that to me that is important and special and i'm so glad you did that i love that you did that and here's what's special like it's special just on its face like it is very cool that you got to give a book to someone who was a huge influence for you in your life and in this in this industry. Yeah. Someone's going to do that to you one day. Someone is going to do that to you one day. And that is what matters about writing this book. And you're right. I'm the same way. And it is not good for business because I'm like, I don't care. I hope five people read it yes. and connect with it. And it helps them in some way. And they're like, we need you to sell 500,000 million copies. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, but I only know 10 people. Like, I am awful at that shit. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like, I just want, like, my sister to yeah. be able to get get it. You know what I mean? It's not like, yeah. I don't know. And like, I, but I also feel like in a weird way, and this is probably because I'm, this has to be because we're like Gen Xers, like fucking millennials, fucking Gen, nobody thinks like this anymore. Where I'm just like, isn't that enough? <laughs> just somebody being creative and then... Working towards a goal and having an outcome isn't that enough? I know. I know. That's where my creative brain lives. It's like, <laughs> isn't it enough that I just wrote this thing that connects to a person? <laughs> and everyone's always like, we need you to bump that up times a million. And I don't know if I have it in me. I don't know if I have it in me. <laughs> it's it's impossible for me to think like that. Like it just can't. I've tried. I have I have tried to 
go into like any creative thing, like anything that I do, and been like, yeah, we're gonna get a million people to watch this YouTube video, you know? And I'm like, oh, 10 people watched it. That's amazing. That's better than a lot of shit, you know? And I'm like, I just can't, I, I can't try to do it. Like, it just doesn't. I know. Doesn't it's, do I it. mean, truly, truly, it is also like that for us, I think, with this pod where we're like, it's great if 10 people connect to it. Yes. How awesome. If 10 people connect, like, I don't need a big audience or following. Like, we just love doing it for the sake of doing it. But, like, people are paying for this shit. <laughs> the first part of my life, my adult life, was spent working in non-commercial college radio. Mm-hmm. The second half of my life was spent working on non-commercial classic movie network. So the fucking metrics have never crossed my mind. Like I never had, I never was guided by Nielsen ratings, by Mm -hmm. any of the listeners of, of any of the radio shows that I did. I'm just, I'm constantly just doing things without any concept of, a, of, a, of success. Like, I'm just like, yeah, that is such a weird world to be in because it makes you feel like, A, like you can do whatever you want. <laughs> it's fine. And B, like everything creative is, is worth it. Like, it's just like everything right. that you try at least you tried it kind of thing. And so well, then when you get into the other part, like you get out of that headspace and then you go to a place where it's like, I don't know, Google or fucking Netflix or something where it's like super competitive and they're always by the numbers. I could not fucking thrive in that environment. I'm just like a fucking, yeah. I am like a Daniel Klaus character. I'm like in the basement. I'm like in the basement tinkering with my weird shit. And like, no, I have no concept of, commercial success (laughs) i think that 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 instinct shows in what we do because we actually care the fact that we get caught up in stuff sometimes when doing this podcast we care about people we care about like yeah things we're like sensitive people like from a business perspective, you don't have fucking time for shit like that. You don't care about exactly. other people. You don't care about people's feelings. Capitalism is, you know, what it is. And, and there is no time for fucking losers. But it's that thing where I'm like, I don't know. I just can't help but feel that. Like, I feel like, and yeah. if that ends up not succeeding, then so be it. But I just, I don't know. I don't feel good being another person. If we were Absolutely. supposed to, if we were going to be, have 2.3 million Instagram followers with no one we know, like that would that break feel terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That would feel terrible. I'd be like, wait, who are you? What is going on? Why do you listen? It would raise more questions than it answered. Yeah. And it wouldn't make me feel like we're doing anything kind of special or unique. I don't know. I just, I don't, if we do ever get to that point, it's not the goal. And I think that's what's important is like, I don't. I don't want to change anything about what we're doing to reach a point that is very arbitrary. Yeah. And that's why I'm not good at business. Like, again, I'll talk about this now because I might literally never talk. I've never talked about it before. I probably will never talk about it again. Um, When my book came out, there was another book that came, another memoir or a couple of memoirs even, but one in particular that came out around the same time that mine did and was a New York Times bestseller and was just kind of like a, a bigger splash of a book and i'd watched this author for years cultivate this audience and this persona and this business essentially like this brand and so when their book came out it was just like of course it's a bestseller and of course it's because their book like my book was traumatic and funny um and their book was just traumatic Mm. and so i think that people there's a certain audience that knows how to accept a certain type of book. And I think that a lot of people just didn't know how to accept my book um, mm. or my life. Cause I've never been like a monolithic black person. And yeah. so I think when they're like, Oh my God, this is a black person, but she's talking about a lot of like heavy metal and art shit and weird shit. And like, we're just not used to that. 
Um, and this is not to make any excuses for anything. I think that my book hit exactly who it needed to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thrilled for any person that read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm proud of it. I really am. But it was just a very interesting experiment to look at and say like, oh, so if you build the brand, if you cultivate that and you kind of court people into buying into who you are as a person, then anything you do will be marginally successful Mm. from a business standpoint. Yeah. And let me tell you, that just feels weird as fuck to me. And part of it is that I know it is absurd to say, because we have, I have a podcast and a TV show and this and that. I'm fairly private. Like, I will give you the information about myself that I want to know. I don't want to be a brand. I don't want people to have constant access to me. It seems exhausting and weird. And I want to be like, hey, this is what I'm giving you. Like, I'm giving you this podcast every week. I'm giving you this book. Like, that's it. If you're not in my life, you don't get to know more than that right now (laughs) until I do the next thing that I want you to know about. Um, So I think it's weird. That's what's fundamentally weird to me about, like, having to turn yourself into a brand or turn yourself into a business person as an artist is like, I don't think art should be that accessible all the time or the artist should not be that accessible all the time. Yeah. I think you need time to go away and create away from the public eye and then come back with what, what feels good for you. So I can see you writing a book again. Long, long story short. Yeah. I can absolutely see you writing another book, <laughs> but, and I think that it's valuable and valid and useful to think of it from that that place of like, I want to do this for me. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if they'll let me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can always self-publish. Shit. Absolutely. Like I, I see a lot of those books on Amazon all that fucking time. Self-publish. You, you and the gray goo. You and the gray goo folks could be out there self-publishing. Shit. What was the one? I I, I think like I cracked half. I read one time I read this like self-published book about someone who thought that they were friends with the Zodiac killer or something. And I was like, oh, shit. wow, this is a really uh, very interesting book. I think it was held together with Brad's. Damn. It was really interesting. But, you know, it's that thing where I'm like, listen, I'm not going to just because it was hard doesn't mean if somebody was like, you want to write another book, I would say no. Uh, of course. It would have to be, I'd have to see what's going on. But I'm just saying that like, when it comes down to it, I'm probably the worst person to write a book because it's just like, <laughs> I have, I freak the fuck out all the time. And also I have no sense of how to sell it or how to sell myself. I just, I'm like, I just did it. Isn't that enough? Exactly. And again, I feel like that's, that has to be something with our, our generation or our age, because I, I I have never met a motherfucker my age that ever wanted to be a brand like that. Like, yeah, it's it's few and, and far between. Most people I know my age, my homies are like, I don't want to do that. I want to stay behind the scenes. And, yes. You know. Yes. And that is that is definitely generational. And it's also, I think, a product of the way that we learned how to be creative and how to be artists is we learned from people who were like, go into a cave and make your fucking art. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just a different way of learning how to be creative, which again, doesn't make any of the new way less valid. It's just very different. And I can't use my old ass ways of creating in this new ass business model. Like it's, it's a hard sell. Look, I, I suffer from that fucking big star mentality where I'm just like, Mm mm-hmm. I'm just going to like make things in obscurity and hope that in like 30, 40 years, people fucking reissue my shit. Like after I'm dead and gone, like they, (laughs) I will be seen as some kind of influential master, but it ain't going to be until I'm at death's door. Oh, good. With my valve, my butthole (laughs) valve. (laughs) Mad about the fact that the valve came out just in the last year of your life. Like, you guys are going to have valves from now on, and I only get it for the last year? Fuck y'all. Look, I don't think we intended to be talking about anything that we talked about today. Hell uh, no, but we were in our feelings. Hey, we were in our feelings, and, you know... Should we read, like, one or two letters? I mean, you want you want to? The yeah, first one would first be good. One? The first one at least is something. Um, okay, so we have a, we have a piece of mail from Victoria goes by she, her pronouns. 
It's called Horror Movie Sleepover Programming Question. Dear Danielle and Millie and all of the I Saw What You Did folks, I've been watching horror movies with one of my best friends, Michelle, for 40 years. We met when we were 11, and it was all over after watching Creepshow together. Michelle even dressed as Jody at my Halloween sleepover the next year. We've shared decades of spooky entertainment together, even when we lived far apart. And at 52, we're still having horror film sleepovers, weens, a few times a year. A ween starts with hugs, loving on the pets, and catching up. Snacks and beverages come out with the first movie, chosen from the list we've made since our last ween. Starting strong is key because a ween goes for at least 24 hours. We choose as we go, winding down with what we want to watch past midnight and then waking up with something light when the sun comes up. With the visiting and chatting after each one, we end up watching six or seven films. We want to watch vintage horror movies for our next ween. And with Millie's extensive film knowledge and Danielle's tutelage from her grandmother, you two are the perfect resource. I'd be extra grateful if you included suggestions of when to watch them. Afternoon snack, right before bed, with coffee at daybreak. We ourselves are vintage. And we've seen many of the classics, so we want to find amazing pre-1980 movies that are off the beaten path, but still available to stream. Thank you both for sharing your friendship and insight with us, Victoria. I love it. I am put, I'm being put on the spot a little bit because I'm like, okay, now we got to not only give movies, we got to give times a day to watch them. Okay. That could be hard for me. That's hard because. Because I don't know you. Yeah. There's a lot of questions. The weens, I, I, the way it's spelled, apostrophe W-E-E-N-S. Is like a Halloween. It's like the last half of a Halloween. Right? right. Here's what I'm going to say. How about we recommend a couple of classic movies? And again, you may have already seen them. This is a hard, this is a tough order. It's a tough order. I'm just going to name some of my favorite 1970s horror films and hope that it works. Um, I don't know if you've seen Houseu. That's a good one. Good. I do not know what time of day you should watch it. Um, but How Sue is great. H-A-U-S-U. Two o'clock in the and morning. I think, yeah. I think that's a, it's a Criterion Collection movie. It should be streaming somewhere, if not on the Criterion channel. You should definitely watch the OG Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Donald Sutherland in that movie is unfuckwithable. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe we've already covered it in the podcast, but if you haven't watched Piranha. Oh, God. Genius. <laughs> you won't hear any complaints from me. I fucking love that movie. I mean, I feel like you should go hard on Piranha. And this is a movie I haven't seen in a long time, so I don't know if it stands up, if it needs a trigger warning or what. Um, but Jodie Foster was in a movie called Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. Oh, hell yeah. And I feel like that's a goodie. That's a good one. So start with those. You pick the time. You read the descriptions. You figure it out. We can't do that. But I'm happy to recommend a classic horror movie anytime. All right. You said vintage. I'm I'm going fucking vintage. Do it to them. I'm talking 1940s. Damn. Have you seen any Val Luton movies? Just out of Ooh. curiosity. So... Val Luton was a producer at RKO, made a bunch of horror movies in the 40s, okay? A lot of them were directed by the great French director Jacques Tourneau, okay? I will say, because there's quite a few that he produced, you can get them all in a box set, by the way. Nice. Um, if you're into physical media, you can definitely get them in a box set, Watch Cat People. That's probably his most famous one, is Cat People from 1942. But I gotta tell ya, you gotta watch Curse of the Cat People. That, Ooh. That came out only two years later. It has little to nothing to do with the original Cat People, <laughs> but it, to me, is weird as fuck. It's basically a movie where a little girl starts communicating with the ghost of her dad's dead first wife. Oh, 
complicated. Yes. And I think the only tie is like with something about there's a very loose tie to the first one, but it's like it's kind of like creepy kid stuff. I I think Mm -hmm. it's great. And in fact, I sort of love it more than the original cat people. But anyway, that's if you want to go super fucking vintage. That's 1940s. That's you might as well be talking about Beethoven at this point. But I like those Val Luton movies and I would watch them in the morning because they're not like super duper scary and they're just kind of like atmospheric. They're black and white. It's kind of cool visuals. It's like kind of noirish. Watch them in the morning. That's fucking nice. chill. Like when you're having a ween, <laughs> have a, that's a morning movie and then watch How Sue or something late at night. That's my excellent. Suggestion. Look, we yeah. d- we somehow did it, even though we did not think we could. <laughs> and Victoria, I want you to have a fantastic ween with your friend. I love that you get together and watch films and just connect in that way. And I hope this helps. Me too. I uh, I'm digging the fact that you and your friend get together for movies. Uh, it's a lot a lot of stuff that we like to do too. So thank you for writing. And uh, good luck with it. This one is, this is a letter, uh, email that we received from Lindsay, who uses she, her pronouns. And the subject of this email is a short and wholesome tale reminiscent of our youths. Hello. I don't have any wild movie viewing or theater working tales, but I do have a short and wholesome tale from the days before the internet. This was back when you either found the movie times in the local paper or, in our case, could also call them up and an actual person would answer and tell you the movie times. I feel like they could have figured out a recording much sooner than they did, but hey, who am I to tell a rural movie theater what to do? (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that? Do you remember calling for movie times? Oh, hell yes. How much of our life? I would say we've probably each spent a smooth 200 hours just if you add up all the times we had to call for movie times. Oh, absolutely. I remember when movie fo- the movie phone guy would try to sneak in a fucking trailer. When fuck you call- And I'd just be like, you can go to hell. Now it's time for this. I want you to tell me when fucking Point Break is playing. Because <laughs> I'm literally outside the theater on a payphone, or I'm near the theater on a payphone, or I'm at my dumb friend's house and we don't have a paper. I don't need this trailer. I need to know. Like, We have parents who are willing to take us for the next five minutes only. Yes. Oh, totally remember that. So Lindsay continues. One afternoon, a friend and I wanted to go to the movies. So I dialed the number on our cordless phone. And after the gruff grandpa like, hello, I said, "Um, hi, I was calling for the movie times. A little hesitantly because I was used to a teenager answering Liberty Theater with forced enthusiasm. Without missing a beat, the gruff grandpa on the other line said, with a bit of a twang, well now, I don't know, let me go get the paper. It took me a second to realize, oh, I had misdialed, and this gentleman had some quick wit. I apologized, Mm. and he chuckled, and I eventually dialed the right number to find out the times for probably Cruel Intentions, She's All That, or whatever other possible movie could have been playing in 1999. Now that I've drawn you in with my cute story, please let me tell you how much I absolutely love your podcast. I came for the friendship and I stayed for that and the movies, realizing I was way more of a movie person than I thought I was. As a mixed native woman who loves movies but finds myself grumbling, whose land are they on anyway, every time I watch just about anything, one thing I've learned listening to your podcast is how important not only representation is in the actual media we consume, but how important representation is in who talks about the media we consume. I appreciate your fearless critiques around how whiteness and patriarchy are wrapped into the films we watch more than I can say. You are two of the smartest women I've ever encountered, not to mention the funniest, making me laugh so many times in a world where joy can feel hard to come by. I've recommended your podcast to many grateful people, including my cis male partner, who finally took my advice and listened to you, only to have his first episode be the one that made him cry as Danielle talked about loving Millie through her illness, and then later talked about how many cis men write in to say Danielle made them cry. Haha, I got another one. Truly, thank you so much to both of you. You are doing important work that is so appreciated. With so much gratitude, Lindsay. 
Lindsay, I can't tell you how wonderful this email is to receive, but particularly now, like we are, we're having a, a hard week um, here and it really means a lot to remember that we, we are talking to people like you and that you are part of our crew. And um, I don't know, it's just, it's, a, it's hard for me to read nice things about myself, but I am very, very honored to be in your ears and, I love making your boyfriend cry. I love making men cry. Yeah, I have to tell you, um, I have a friend who listens to the pod. I'm not going to reveal this person, but um, (laughs) her boyfriend is a semi-famous comedian. And he was like, Danielle has made me cry. Like Danielle has, (laughs) has broken me down. He's, he's kind of a tough dude. He's kind of a tough dude. I'm not going to give him away, but I'm just saying he's kind of a tough dude. And I was like, yo, score one. But but I- yeah, this, this is just so fucking nice. And you're right. Like, I think it is, it's, it's amazing to me that we are still at a point where we're realizing how important it is to talk about things like representation and, and the media that we consume but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like this is this is a good reminder. It's not always easy to remember that people are listening with more of a gentle ear than we often listen to ourselves with or interrogate ourselves with. So thank you, Lindsay. Um, and next time we make your boyfriend cry, take a picture and send it to us. Oh my God, we would love pictures. Can we start our own wailing wall? <laughs> It'll be like the bar, the toe bar that you went to. Uh, with like your <laughs> boobs or something. It'll except it'll be pictures of people's boyfriends crying. I would open up a bar just to have that. Um, Can you believe that the toe bar and the boob bar are not the same bar? Oh, shit. Alaska's fucking wild. Maybe, really maybe you do need to write that book. What the fuck? I really should write that. <laughs> Honestly, th- Lindsay, that's such a nice, 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 nice thing to hear right now. We really appreciate it. Today was the day to get it. And... So, so nice that you wrote. I love it. This, this is, you know what I'm really appreciating? I like that our, our bonus episodes have become so unhinged (laughs) that it's like cathartic. Yeah. At the end. Like sometimes when we finish talking, I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I'm gonna go to bed. This is like a release this week. So thank you for being my friend. Like we already talked on the phone today for like an hour, but like, thank you for just doing this together. Like, it's really cool that we get to just have this fun little release. And I will not remember anything I have said. Um, <laughs> it is out of my brain already. So if I've offended you, then uh, let me know. But <laughs> No, I, I feel bad for our producer, Casey, who is like, usually like, you know, I don't have or ever have to edit these bonuses. And then this one, it's like, he's going like, to be... Cut, cut, cut. <laughs> these bitches literally ah. fucking went to another dimension this episode they and i'm quitting now can you truly mention can you remember anything we mentioned in the intro before the hour before we read the two letters dude i don't even know this whole episode was supposed to be letters i know it went from like talking about screen it was like science fiction screenplay ideas weird hemorrhoids book advice book advice what the fuck don't forget valves valves asshole valves letters and it's been over an hour listen this is completely off the fucking rails i personally love it but then again i have a weird metric for success if you guys hate it if you fucking hate it or love it if you hate it i don't care listen email us that's all you can do that is your power just email us at i saw what you did pot at gmail.com I'm going to veto Millie and say, if you hate it, don't email oh, us. Yes. Okay. We, need, we, need to, we need to get to a point where we don't care what people think as much as we do. That's why we took Lindsay's email and fucking shot it up through in between <laughs> our toes. We're like, we need that good feedback. I need it in my body. I'm framing it. I might <laughs> mail it to myself. I'm going to print out Lindsay's email and mail it to myself. <laughs> That's how goddamn low of a day I've had. <laughs> I'm like, thank you for thinking I'm not an asshole. Um, 
but yes, you can email us, but I don't care if you don't like the the bonus. <laughs> I'm just going to say I don't care. This is a very cathartic and fun thing for me and Millie. Yeah. Um, so just let us have this. But yes, please find us on our social media at Isawpod on Twitter and Instagram, um, where you can say whatever you want, because that's how the internet works. <laughs> we will try not to internalize it completely. Listen, Danielle, always a fucking pleasure even though this might be like our last episode. This is like where we cracked. Finally fucking cracked. This is like when Crispin Glover went on fucking David Letterman and karate kicked him nearly in his fucking face. This is our Crispin Glover karate kick episode. And folks, we have a title. It came in at the last minute. It came in at the bitter end. (laughs) But the the title of this bonus is Crispin Glover karate kicking Letterman. (laughs) That's what it was. And we can't we we can't make apologies for it. This is just it's in our blood. We're it's like in our blood to be this weird. So listen, uh, tattoo this on your heart. Take it or leave it. <laughs> well, we love you. We love, we love you. for you to take it, but we're okay with you leaving it. And thank you for paying for this. We oh god, it. I forgot they pay for this. Oh god. Now I feel like shit. No, honestly. All right, chalk this one up. I promise we'll go back to like letters and talking about (laughs) funny stuff next week. We love you. Jesus Christ, Casey. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, everyone. (laughs) See you next time. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and mixed by Casey O'Brien. Our theme song is by Tom Bryfogle. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, and Daniel Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at IsawPod. And you can email us at IsawWhatYouDidPod at Gmail. Follow I Saw What You Did on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit ExactlyRightStore.com to purchase I Saw What You Did merch.